Why and why not to record podcasts in multi-track. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 286. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Multi-track recording keeps audio sources separate. And so I want to share with you some reasons why you may and may not want to record your podcast in multiple tracks. But before I get into the whys and why nots and the benefits and disadvantages and such, it's important for you to understand some differences between channels and tracks because you may see these terms used interchangeably, but they're really not supposed to be interchangeable. Mixers, audio interfaces, recorders, and other audio devices will often refer to tracks and channels in their description of the features of those mixers. Generally, channels are how many separate audio paths are in a single device. For example, Mackie describes their mixers by the number of channels. That could be 8-channel, 12-channel, 18-channel, and such. Behringer uses the word inputs, which kind of communicates the idea better but it means essentially the same thing, although they technically have more inputs than they say. So if they say it's a 12-input mixer, it does actually have more inputs than that, but those 12 inputs are really actual channels that are paths that you can reroute on the mixer, not merely inputs. Tracks, also sometimes called bus, represent the final mix and separation of all of the channels. You know one-track audio as mono and two-track audio as stereo. However, the number of tracks does not necessarily imply any kind of perceived physical positioning, such as left and right in your ears. Most devices support at least two tracks, which are usually treated as stereo, but that doesn't mean it is actually stereo. Consider, for example, the Behringer X1204 USB, and the Behringer UFX1204. And by the way, if you want links to these or any of these other mixers or the notes that go along with this session, then get the show notes for episode 286 at theaudacitypodcast.com Both of these mixers, the X1204 USB and the UFX1204, are 12-channel mixers. The X1204 USB and most of the 1204 line that doesn't say UFX, like the 1204, the X1204, the QX1204, the Q1204, whatever kind of 1204 thing, except for, at least currently, the UFX1204, all output only two tracks of audio through the USB or through the main outputs. You can get an additional two tracks from the alt or subgroup outputs from these mixers, and I do that with my Behringer X1832 USB, and that does effectively turn it into a four-track analog mixer, but the USB is still only two tracks, and it's putting out only what's going out to the main output. So if you use those alt or subgroup outputs to give you multiple tracks, Only two of those, the main two, are going through the USB. On the other hand, the Behringer UFX1204 
outputs up to 16 tracks via USB to a PC or directly to a USB storage device. That makes it a 16-track device. Each track can be treated as an individual mono source. Stereo audio is technically multi-track. If you have the same audio going to both tracks, though, you're treating it really as a single stereo track, not two separate tracks. However, it is possible to use stereo as multi-track, which I'll explain further in the next episode of the Audacity Podcast when I tell you how you can do multi-track recording, almost regardless of what equipment you have. Thus, when we refer to multi-track, it generally means separating audio sources into their own tracks. So for example, a four-track podcast could look something like this. Track one is the main host. Maybe that's you. Track two is a co-host. Track three is a guest. Track four is the soundtrack for your music, your sound clips, your segues, your feedback audio that you play, anything else like that. Any kind of sound that you play goes into the soundtrack. And you may have additional tracks, one for each participant in your podcast episode. That is what we mean by recording in multi-track. Each one of these audio sources, whether it's a voice or a soundtrack or something else, is going into its own track and thus is separate from all of the other tracks. So what are the benefits to this? And maybe the wheels in your head are already turning, thinking about what you could do with multi-track recording. And multi-track recording has some definite advantages that you may want for your podcasting. It's really all about the flexibility that multi-track offers. So here are three benefits to recording podcasts in multi-track. And these are in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash why multi-track. Benefit number one to multi-track, powerful editing. When each participant or the soundtrack is separated, it's easy to edit almost anything. Here's some examples to give you some ideas of how powerful the editing can be when you're recording in multiple tracks. If one participant coughs while the other participant is talking, you can easily edit out the cough without affecting the speaking you want your audience to hear because it's a separate track. You could completely delete it or mute it or change the volume or anything like that to reduce or completely eliminate that cough, and it may not be in the other track at all. And that could go for any other kind of distracting noise. Maybe you bump the microphone or your other participant bumps the microphone. They cough or a dog barks or they're interrupted or a truck drives by or anything crazy like that could happen. You can clean it out from that other track without affecting the important track, the one with the person who's speaking. Here's another example. If participants talk over each other, either accidentally or intentionally, it's really easy to edit out that talking over each other because sometimes it could be completely unnecessary if the other person is trying to start their response but I'm not finished yet with what I'm saying then you could edit out where they keep repeating the beginning of their sentence until they get to the spot where I'm finished talking and then they can respond so you clean it up and it becomes much easier to understand It's also easy to shift things. So maybe I'm still talking, I'm wrapping up my thoughts, and then someone else starts talking over me, and what they're saying is good, what I'm saying is good. So here you have two pieces of good information that so happen to be overlapping each other, maybe because I wasn't very clear in how I was communicating, or maybe the other person was a bit too eager to jump into the conversation. But for whatever reason, you have 
two pieces of valuable information that aren't very understandable because they're both overlapping each other. So if you record it into multi-track, you could shift these things by adding a few extra seconds of silence to the end of what I said, and then that's where you move what the other person said so that it sounds like I completely finished what I was saying, and then the other person starts with what they're saying, and there's no overlap. That makes it still understandable, even though in the recording, we were talking over each other. Here's another example of how powerful editing can be accomplished with multi-track recording. If you have any background audio, such as opening or closing music, you never have to worry about perfecting the timing of your opening and your closing because you can shift things in editing when they don't align in your recording. I do this quite often. If you watch me stream the Audacity to Podcast when I record it live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live. I've got some people watching live right now. But when I record live, many times my audience will get to see and hear how I mess up my timing on my outro. Maybe I've said everything I want to say, and I've said thanks for listening, and I still have 10 more seconds of music playing before I do the fade in of the music, and you hear it, and then it completes the song. That's not a problem when I record in multi-track, which I do to some extent here, because I can let the music play however it needs to. I can do the volume adjustments however I would want them to be in the final episode, even though it doesn't sound right live. I may be sitting here twiddling my thumbs while I'm waiting for the song to play. When it's recorded into the separate tracks, all it takes is shifting that music back over and then it sounds like I nailed the timing perfectly. This has happened way too many times to count on some of our other podcasts that we host where there's a particular pause in the music and I save something to say in that pause. Or we've done this in other things. And it's very common to struggle with the timing on the outro, maybe not so much on the intro, but it's very easy to fix that if you're recording into multi-track. One last example here, along the same lines of using background music, if you mess up while your background music is going on, that mess up is baked in if you're recording into a single track where your music and your voice are in the same track. But if you have split tracks, You could delete that mess up. Maybe you stumbled over something and you have to repeat yourself. Maybe you said something incorrectly. Maybe you realize it's really unnecessary to say that. I was just wasting time because my music is still playing. Anything like that. You could delete that from a multi-track recording, shift your audio uh, from the music so that it still aligns nicely. You close that gap from what you edited out and then it sounds like You never made a mistake at all, and the music is still the way it's supposed to be. You wouldn't be cutting out a portion of the music, which then makes it obvious that you had an edit point there. So these are some examples of the powerful editing that you get, and that's a big benefit, number one benefit, to recording podcasts in multi-track. Number two benefit to recording podcasts in multi-track is specific loudness adjustments. A common problem when there's more than one audio source, whether that audio source is a person or a soundtrack, is the loudness between the multiple sources. For various reasons, one co-host's voice could be a different volume from the other, or your music might be a different volume from your voice, which is probably what you want when the music is supposed to be in the background, but maybe the music is too loud for how loud your voice is. So if you're playing the music 
in the background of your own voice. People need to be able to hear you clearly above the music. And you might not have set the volume levels just right before you recorded. So if you recorded that into multi-track, then you could specifically adjust the loudness of those separate tracks. Now, compression can help with this when you're talking about the different volume levels between you and a co-host or a guest, some other participant in your podcast. If you were recorded into the same track, some compression, that is evening out the differences between the loud and the quiet spots, removing and compressing that dynamic range between them, can help with this. But if it's really only one source that needs the loudness correction, recording it on its own track means you can adjust that one source without affecting the other tracks. In the example of two voices recorded into the same track and one voice is quieter than the other voice, if you use compression, yes, that can fix it, but it may be compressing your voice more than necessary and it may be compressing your co-host's voice more than necessary when all you really needed is a straight uniform amplification on your co-host's voice and nothing changed about your voice. If you record into multi-track, then you get that ability to have specific loudness adjustments for each track, and it doesn't affect the loudness of the other tracks. That's number two. Number three, targeted processing. Audio equipment, microphone techniques, voice, environment, and several other things could be and most likely are different for each audio source. Again, whether that's a person or a soundtrack. Thus, The ideal processing for one source may not be ideal for the other. Here are some practical examples of this. Audio compression, again, that is the evening out of the dynamic range between the loud and quiet portions, is usually good for voices. But it's not good for music. Music needs that dynamic range where there are the quiet spots, the loud spots, the fade-ins, the fade-outs. Music needs that. If you try and run a compressor on the music... You could really make it sound bad because music is already compressed in the way it needs to be. And if you recompress it, you could be corrupting it further. Here's another practical example. Male voices usually need different audio processing from female voices. There's even enough variety within each gender that two males or two females may sound best with different processing for each person. Another example is one participant may have more background noise or other interference than anyone else. So you can reduce that noise on only their track and not have to process the other tracks. Because if you try to reduce noise in a track, it is diminishing the quality of that track a little bit, depending on the frequencies of the noise and what frequencies are being removed or reduced. So it is possible that if everything is on a single track, and you need to run some kind of noise reduction because someone on that track had some noise in the background, then you could be affecting the audio quality of everyone else on that track as well. But when you record in separate tracks or multi-track, then you can have targeted processing for each track as is necessary. This is one of the reasons why I really like Adobe Audition for audio editing. Each track can actually have some processing saved to that track So that when I export the audio or play back the audio, each track might have a certain preset for it. Compression levels, EQ, anything like that for those individual tracks. And I can customize those as necessary and do other editing as well. 
But it's much easier, I think, of a workflow inside of Adobe Audition. That's one of the reasons why I decided to move from Audacity to Audition. Other professional software gives you similar features to be able to add effects to an entire track and save that in some kind of a template instead of having to add it to individual clips or just apply it on demand every time. I think these are the top three benefits to recording podcasts in multi-track. Powerful editing, specific loudness adjustments, and targeted processing. There could be some other benefits too, so I'd love to hear from you. Please comment on the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash why multitrack and share your own experience and what you think are the big benefits to recording in multitrack. Now on the flip side of things, here are the benefits to recording podcasts in a single track. Single track recording, even if you're treating stereo as a single track, offers a lot of simplicity and that's really at the core of its benefit. Number one, simple management and workflow. When everything mixes down to a single track, whether that's mono or stereo, it's easy to route the audio appropriately. For example, using a multi-track interface may make it complicated for a remote participant or your live audience to hear everything being recorded. Because instead of having one audio input, you now have 16 audio inputs going into your computer. And how can you combine these so that your guest hears everything except for themselves or so that your live audience hears you and your co-host and not only you? Many multi-track interfaces do offer a separate or additional stereo track mixed down of all the tracks. And that can work in some of these cases, but in other cases, it may still not be good enough. Thus, it's really easier to manage all of this when you're working with only one track, whether it be stereo or mono. And editing in single track means far fewer files to manage, and the processing is much simpler. Instead of separately processing several tracks and having to try and keep track of track A is so-and-so, track B is so-and-so, and managing these separate files, aligning them together and all of this, You have only one track to be concerned with, one track to process. And if you record in multi-track, and I'll give you some tips on how to record in multi-track in the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast, if you record in multi-track, there are certain other concerns that could happen, like audio drift or certain weird things like that. But if you're recording all on your side into one track, then you don't have to worry about that, or at least not as much. Yes, there are the other disadvantages and the lack of flexibility, but simplicity is your big benefit here. Simple management and workflow. Benefit number two to recording podcasts in single track is more affordable equipment. It seems multi-track audio gear is always more expensive than its single track equivalents. For example, the Behringer UFX 1204 mixer, which I told you about earlier, is a 16-track mixer that does output in multiple tracks via USB or Firewire, or it can output directly to a USB drive, like a, a hard drive or a thumb drive or something. And it's more than twice the price of the very similar design X1204 USB 2-track mixer. The primary difference between these two mixers is the UFX is a 16-track output mixer with the FireWire and the USB and all of that. And the X1204 or QX or Q or whatever model number they're using there for that basic lower-end line is a two-track mixer. Even though they both have the same number of channels, that is 12 inputs or 12 channels on the mixer. 
or on the Mackie side of things, the Onyx 1220i 12-channel mixer is nearly three times the cost of Mackie's VLZ and Pro FX 12-channel mixers. There are even more advanced multi-track audio interfaces offering USB 3.0 or Thunderbolt connectivity, and these can cost even more, like $1,000 and up. Sticking with a basic stereo or two-track recording works with most of the professional quality audio equipment that's available at much lower prices. Almost everything gives you at least stereo, so you could record potentially in two tracks or simply record in one track, and I'll tell you how you can hack that a little bit more in the next episode of the Audacity Podcast. That's benefit number two to single-track, more affordable equipment. The third benefit to recording your podcast in single track is improved skills. If you record all your participants and the soundtrack into the same track, you'll quickly discover you can't rely on editing to fix everything that goes wrong in your podcast. So to avoid capturing mistakes, your best option is to prevent the mistakes and the problems from happening in the first place. And you do that by improving your skills. For example, you can fix the crosstalk that might happen in your episode by learning to not interrupt each other, by learning how to use physical signals or read physical signals, some body language, so you can see if the other person is finished saying something or if they have something to say. And you can also learn how to share your thoughts more effectively so that your other co-hosts will know whether you're finished. For example, you might ask me in a podcast, what's your favorite flavor ice cream? And I say, chocolate chip cookie dough. And then you think right then, okay, that's the end of my answer. But then I say, because, and I go on with explaining more why chocolate chip cookie dough is my favorite flavor of ice cream, at least at this time. Actually, more technically, I like ice cream that has little chewy bits, like a fudge brownie mix. The ideal ice cream for me would be something that isn't too chocolatey, but has nice ribbons of chocolate, some caramel, some chewy fudge bits, and some cookie dough, and some chocolate chips. So see, now what happened is I gave you an answer that's much bigger than you might have originally expected. I expounded on the answer. And if I'm doing that inside of a podcast, you might have thought earlier on that I was finished with the answer. And so you start talking, but then you interrupt me. And then that creates other communication issues where then I have to say, well, like I was saying, or you didn't let me finish, or all kinds of conflict, or just not a good conversation that can happen necessarily. And it won't be the easiest to follow. But when you can get good at communicating things effectively, having a consistent flow and tempo and rhythm to how you communicate, then it will be more obvious when you have more to say, or it will be easier for people to speak when you are finished and pick up on when you are finished saying something. Another way this can improve your skills by forcing yourself to use single track recording is that you can fix coughs or other distractions like that by muting or moving away from the microphone thus preventing the problem from ever being captured or reducing how much of the problem was captured in your microphone. You can also fix background noise by turning off noisemakers or moving away from them so you don't have to worry about trying to fix it in processing and post-production and all of these other things. And you don't have to worry about so-and-so's track is noisy. Tell them before you record, hey, your track is noisy. Any chance you could close a window, turn off your air conditioner, close programs on your computer, move your microphone to a different position, anything like that. So you can improve what you get on the first time 
instead of having to try and fix it later. Improving your skills in your podcasting, making your podcast discussion and conversation skills better will not only make your podcast better and easier to edit, but it will also make you a far better communicator. And don't you like the idea of being a better communicator? Or let me ask it this way. Don't you think everyone else would like the idea of your being a far better communicator? If you are married, most likely the answer is, oh yeah, totally. I hear it all the time. I need to be a better communicator because communication is very important in a relationship. I know men and women will prioritize communication slightly differently, but I think we all know communication is important. So the better of a communicator you can be, the better your relationships can be too. So podcasting can then help your relationships. Isn't it crazy how that works? It all goes back to your skill as a communicator. So these three benefits to recording podcasts in a single track are number one, simple management and workflow. Number two, more affordable equipment. And number three, improved skills. Now I want to know from you, do you record in multi-track or do you record in single track? And what benefits or limitations have you discovered in your own workflows? What I've shared with you is not the exhaustive list of reasons to or not to use multi-track in your podcasting. And I want to hear from you, what other reasons have you found to do one or the other? Please comment on the show notes for episode 286 at com slash why multi-track. I want to thank a couple of people who left some kind reviews for the Audacity to Podcast in iTunes. Danny Stern, or in iTunes known as Middle Age Crank, from the Art Dealer Show. That's at artdealer.show, which, by the way, news alert, when did .show become a top-level domain that we could start using? This is big news. I love that we now have .show. So check with your favorite domain registrar and you might be able to get your podcast.show and something else that's very relevant because I think in general, we should be referring to ourselves as showrunners or as show hosts, not necessarily podcasters, because really what we're doing is we're creating shows and distributing them via podcasting. But someday you may be able to distribute that show in other ways. So check out the .show domains and Danny has a dot show, artdealer.show for his podcast. But in iTunes, this is what he said. Must listen for both the novice and seasoned podcast vet. One year ago, with nothing more than an itch to start a podcast of my own, I decided to binge on every podcast I could find that covered the topic. There are many indeed, and the value of them ranges greatly. But of all of them, you'll never find one better research, delivered and thoughtfully put together by someone who knows of what he speaks and done by a good guy to boot. Now, a year later, I'm several episodes into my podcast, Art Dealer Show, and very grateful for the role this podcast took in getting me there. Thank you, Daniel. Well, thank you very much, Danny, for that kind review in iTunes. And I want to share a little sample of Danny's podcast, The Art Dealer Show, that just got over that hump of seven episodes. Today on The Art Dealer Show, you'll hear owner of Artifacts Gallery in Cambria, California, Thad Markham, say... The one thing I've noticed since the advent of the internet is other galleries are not enemies. We're all doing the same thing. There is enough business to go around. We can actually help each other more than we do hurt each other. 
Hello, and welcome to The Art Dealer Show, a podcast about the people who sell art and for the people who sell art. My name is Danny Stern. So a good podcast. And by the way, that little quotation from Danny's guest just replaced when he talks about art galleries with podcast, and it totally applies to we don't have to see each other as competition. So check out Danny's show at artdealer.show. Also, thanks to Brad Hargis from The Cinema Guys, who wrote this kind review for the Audacity podcast in iTunes. He said, fantastic show and very informative. I'm very new to the world of podcasting and recently started a podcast, The Cinema Guys. After we recorded our first episodes, I wanted to learn more about podcasting and work to make our show better. As I researched and came across many great shows, I found the Audacity to Podcast. It has been a great help with improving not only my podcast, but inspiring me to work on creating more shows in the future. Thank you for the great episodes and keep up the awesome work. Thank you very much, Brad Hargis. You can check out his podcast over at 134inc.com. That's the Cinema Guys podcast. And this is a very new podcast fresh in iTunes and other podcast apps. And here's a little sample of the Cinema Guys podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Cinema Guys. This episode, we're going to talk about one of my favorite genres in movies, animation. Not only that, but stop motion animation. We went to see Kubo and the Two Strings. Here with me are my fellow Cinema Guys, Justin and Michael. Hello. Hello. Oh, that was like right in sync. Well done. (laughs) We're going to start things off with something a little new this week that we call Top This. Top This. This is where we will give you a list from a category, genre, or something else that we choose. I think this week we'll, we should just start off animation. Top, say, three animated movies. So if you're interested to learn more about what they talk about at the Cinema Guys podcast, then go to 134inc.com and look for the Cinema Guys podcast there. And I have a link to both of these podcasts and the podcasters who are kind enough to review the Audacity to Podcast in iTunes in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ymultitrack. And thank you very much for these reviews. Reviews don't help rank a show better in iTunes, but they are really encouraging and I'm really enjoying this new approach that I'm taking to reviews to give you a shout out, give you a link in the show notes, and to play a little sample of your podcast in the Audacity to Podcast. So you get some nice little cross promotion there. I get to hear how your podcasts are sounding. So if you want to review the Audacity to Podcast, make sure that you include your name and the name of your podcast in your review. That way I can link to it and get a little excerpt from your podcast. That's at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash iTunes if you would like to subscribe or review there. I have one announcement for you, and that is please follow me on Instagram at the Daniel J. Lewis. That's the same as my Twitter handle, by the way. I've recently been sharing some behind-the-scenes photos and videos while I'm building my DIY acoustic panels for my podcast studio, and these panels are turning out really nice and not as expensive as I thought they would. I thought they'd be somewhere around $35 per panel the way I'm designing them with some of my little luxury improvements that I'm making to them. But they're really closer to $20 or $25 per panel, which is significantly less than what it would cost to get these kinds of panels professionally made, which as far as I can tell starts at $200 per panel. And these are big panels, two feet by four feet. They look really good, especially with some of the little luxury enhancements that I'm making. So I'm sharing some of the behind the scenes of that on Instagram and here and there cross posting those photos on my other social accounts too, but they go into Instagram first. So 
follow me on Instagram at the Daniel J. Lewis. And I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode at the audacitypodcast.com slash why multitrack. I'd really appreciate it if you would share this episode out. If you learned something interesting from this, you benefited from this in any way, or simply to support the podcast. It's a great thing that you can do to support any podcast you listen to. Tell someone else about it. Share those episodes that you enjoy. And you can share this episode by going to theaudacitypodcast.com slash multitrack and engage in the conversation there to share your own experience with recording in multitrack and single track. That's at theaudacitypodcast.com slash multitrack. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.